Dave, I'm so proud of you. I'm proud of you, Matt. Ryan, Listener, I'm proud of you. Ryan in the booth, who's a great ally, I'm proud of you. Allies. Dana, who is it over at uh, uh, Jury Duty, I'm oh, proud of you. And she is doing, she is both proud to be an American and proud to be an ally. Oh, I love it. Uh, big plans for the weekend? Uh, I'm very proud to say... No plan. Actually, I, yeah, it's on on the. There is a still a potential of a out of town little excursion. Me okay. and Michael before he starts work. Oh, nice. But uh, his back is very messed up right now. Oh, no, this is a terrible. I don't know why I'm telling you all this. Anyway, if I stay in town, I'm going to go see my friend Nigel. Shout out to Nigel Campbell, um, who lives in the middle of the mess. Mm-hmm. You? Uh well, Friday, Papi Chulo comes out. Oh, um, so I'm going to go see that. Great way to celebrate. A great way to celebrate Pride. And the, that's at the uh, Sunset, at Sunset 5. Five. Yeah. If you're in New York, it's at the Village East. I think it's on two screens there. Nice. Um, so, and then, okay, so Saturday, the wife of a high school friend of mine okay. uh, grew, didn't grow up around here, but went to a boarding school in Carpinteria around Santa Barbara. Uh-huh. And it's reunion weekend this weekend. And she was like, would you come up and DJ it? What? And I was like, sure. And then I was like, how do you DJ? So I'm going to, I between now and Saturday, figure out how to DJ. Literally, you mean with a turntable? No, on my laptop with okay. an app. And so you'll Spotify. make up a, a playlist. Which I'll make you up do a playlist. Very, very well. Thank you. Thank, well, I think I do, but, you know, people in their, in their late 40s who haven't seen each other in a long time might not want to hear, you know. Uh huh. Talk, talk, album tracks. Right. So, so I'm going to have to, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be like a wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll do a little practice run. The cool thing is it's largely outside and it's in kind of a residential area. So noise ordinances dictate that I have to, like, I can't start until like eight, until the dinner's over at like 8.30, 8.45 and I have to stop by 10. So oh, great. So this I'm is just, a low pressure gig. Yeah. So then I'm going to get up early in the morning. Next morning, try and hit the parade. Great. So that's what's going and, on. And uh, do you have to, are you, is this like also, a, are you emceeing this event? I'll be doing a little bit of, you know, all right, now let's go to the dodgeball tournament. Because yeah. there's a dodgeball tournament after everyone goes inside and throws balls at each other, apparently. That's fun. It's going to be interesting. I, terrifying. Yeah, it's going to be uh, a little crazy. Uh, well, uh, And so you might be available for parade stuff on Sunday. Yeah, I probably will be. I'm very confused talking about this because we're about to go to Provincetown. So I, I keep thinking, well, I'm not, and we're going to be in Provincetown. Yeah, but that's in Provincetown. The, how it works is that's the weekend after. Yeah, that's time different. Works that way. Right. Uh, you saw Rocketman. I did. I, I haven't yet. Yeah. You know what? Uh, is it good? No. Did I enjoy it? Thoroughly. Yes. Loved it. Taron Ed, is it Taron Edgerton? Ed, Ed, Ed Egerton? I, 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 he has a better singing voice than Elton John. Okay. His, his voice is extraordinary. Really? His performance is extraordinary. Yeah. It's not a good movie, but you know what? I think also a lot of people, queer people, especially who were turned off by Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. This sort of, this almost feels like a deliberate answer to that. Oh, like, Great. Are we? Are you? Were you worried we were going to shy away from gay sex? No, we're not. Here it is in the first act. Oh, with Richard Madden. Oh, great. So, all right, I'm in. That was a lot of fun. I was thinking of seeing that with my mother over this past weekend. I was in St. Louis for oh, my niece's wedding. Oh, how was that? Uh, it was unbelievable. the The ceremony was incredible. The reception was just an absolute out of this world dance party. My brother's toast was was magnificent. My other nieces, who was the the maid of honor, yeah, 
Uh, her speech was incredible. It was, it was heartwarming and beautiful. And, and we, Ben and I on the dance floor were total catnip for married oh, oh, women in their fifties. Like suddenly we were surrounded by my friends, my, my brother's friends, wives. Of course. Because my brother and his friends were, you know, I mean, they were they would pass through the dance floor, but the, the women really wanted to get it done. And then they saw the gay couple and they just gravitated they needed to a us. conduit. You yeah. were the portal. Yeah. Yeah. Did you find yourself kind of like uh, playing a, I don't know, a more basic version of yourself in order to, you know what I'm saying? To yeah. be accessible to, to them? No, no. No. I just danced. Were, okay. okay good. I just danced. Great. Which is me at my mo- most basic. I don't know that I know what you look like on a dance floor. Oh, boy. Well, did we dance in Provincetown last year? We might have a little bit. Actually, no, I don't think we did. I don't think we did. We were at tea was, dances and whatnot. Right. That we was just not, kind of standing around. Right. Yeah. Gosh, milling. I was real drunk. Uh, <laughs> it was great. It was, uh, it was, it was great. Um, it was and a lot of fun. Are you I, I, like are the the nieces and everybody? Is there is there a, a, a are they all sort of starry eyed for the Dave Holmes of it all? Could not be less. Not none of them are listening no. right now. Is what you're saying? Uh, one might be. One one might be. Anyway, By the way, new yes. topic. Yes. This is something I need to ask you. Where are you at with the Carly? I always want to say Carly J. Repson. Carly yeah. Ray Jepson. I like it. I, I like do it. too. I like it. I like that the new the new sound uh-huh. to to like bring the gays in is like a side to non single from the soundtrack of like my chauffeur or something. <laughs> it all sounds like yeah. the most boilerplate '80s music, and we, that really speaks to me. Same. You know what? I what really speaks to me is a song where she uh, samples the. The Popeye, the Shelley Duvall Popeye song. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, are people aware of this? I don't know. Probably there, not. Is there a big overlap between Carly fans and Popeye? Maybe there are probably young Carly fans who don't know that she also did Call Me Maybe. You know what I mean? Oh wow. Yeah, I mean it's that's been a while, so nobody's going to remember Popeye. Yeah, she should start sampling that and see yeah. if anybody notices. I really enjoy it. That Julian track one. It gets Great. me. It gets me right where I need to be. It's all good. I, I I feel like that's a song we'll be hearing a lot. That's an album we'll be hearing a lot this weekend. Sure. Um, do you have a summer jam chosen? Oh God. Uh, I mean, it's impossible not to keep going back to juice. That has not worn out for me yet. And it's six months old. Um, it is juicy. It is juicy. I'm, um, because of somebody who I follow on Instagram who posts it all the time, I'm getting very into Dagny. I'm not, I'm assuming that she's Swedish. She's a young pop gal. She has a song. I forget what it's called that I just listened to. Uh, several times in a row uh, during a run. Love You Like That is the song. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I enjoy her. Okay. I like Dagny. I like Sigrid. How about you? Uh, I mostly feel nothing uh, per usual, but I have been um, enjoying a couple throwback tunes uh, from the Nightmare on Elm Street 4 soundtrack. Ooh. One of which is this Divinal... Is it Divinalist or Divinals? Divinals. Divinals. A uh, song called Back to the Wall. Does this mean anything to you? Am I allowed to do this? It's okay. I'll stop in a minute. I just want you to hear the beginning. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, I think that that's like oh. one of the opening songs of, of, of uh, Nightmare 4, I believe. And then this song, also from that movie from... 
the scene in which Debbie, the female bodybuilder who's afraid of cockroaches, is working out right before she gets killed. Sinead O'Connor, put your hands oh. up. Does it have the MC Light rap in the middle? I don't think so. Hands on me. I, I, I've been listening to these two. That's like over Jam. and over and over again. Oh, and I, I really like the Billie Eilish bad guy song. Oh, really? Is that old news at this point? No, 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 no. I think it's okay. Um, I Listen to the one with the MC Light. Oh, I, I didn't even it's know incredible. that there was one. I'm not the kind of girl to put on a show because when I say no, yo, I mean no. I could do the whole thing, but I'm not going wow. to. Uh, okay, so this weekend is Pride. Uh, whatever you're doing, do it safely. I'm talking to you and the listener. Yep, yep. Um, and let's uh, let's get out there and fight for the right to party. Speaking of partying. Oh, my God. This week's guest. <gasps> Nina West, uh, the true standout of RuPaul's season, of, 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 of many recent seasons, uh, is here, is with us. We were at RuPaul's uh, DragCon Which together. Was a ball. What a ball. And what a get that she, she would, would in the, take an hour out of her paid booth time yes. to come hang with us. God almighty. She is an absolute treasure. Such an interesting guest. And, uh, and boy, was she turned out. Yeah. She was dragged the fuck out. Uh, really impressive cleavage work, too. Yes. yes. A lot of people have been commenting on that. Yeah. She's really something. We love her. Nina West. Guys, thank you so much for coming. Yes. It is 11.30 on a Sunday morning. Is this is this a Captain Marvel look that I'm seeing back here? Who's just wow. walked in with the epaulettes and whatnot? That's really, no? It's like a Prince Charming. Yes. Yeah, slash. Oh, I, gotcha. oh, I got it. It is. Okay. Okay. Hi, everybody. How's everyone's drag con so far? Woo. I'm hearing some woos. Some great woos. Yeah. Uh, this is, it was a podcast that we do every week called Homophilia. Uh, this is Dave Holmes. This is Matt McConkey. Um, and we're very, very excited. We, we talk to people from the queer community every week about what they're loving and who they're loving. Uh-huh. So it's, um, you know, pop culture chat. And then we ask a lot of prying, inappropriate questions That's about right. their sex and dating history. Yes. And today, because we're in front of a live studio audience, uh, you can ask some probing questions as well. There's a, uh, a microphone back there. If you got things you want to ask, Nina West, go um, nuts. So today's guest, not that I need to read this, but I'm going to read this. Nina West is the stage name of Andrew Levitt, a drag queen performer comedian and the 2008 national holder of the Entertainer of the Year title, as well as one of the season 11 contestants of RuPaul's Drag Race. West has been performing for 20 years. She's been in over 35 main stage productions and currently writes and produces her own show. West auditioned for RuPaul's Drag Race nine times before she made it on this season's competition. Besides drag, West started the Nina West Foundation and has raised more than $2 million for organizations benefiting the LGBTQ youth and families. Please, Welcome, Nina West. Hi. 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 Hi.
so good. Oh, I sit in the middle between yeah, the, between the two. There. Sandwich. Correct. Yum. I brought my own straw. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Very good. I knew it was going to be that kind of party. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Nino, first of all, what the hell are you doing doing a live podcast when you could be making cash in that sweet booth? I mean, um, I started uh, I started on time today, which is uh, unlike most of the girls on the floor. What? what? So, okay. So I started at 9 a.m., so I'm not too worried about that. Well, uh-huh. yeah, well, be on time is the is next to godliness. That's right. What's what's a 9 a.m. DragCon crowd like? Um, a lot of um, parents and kids. Uh-huh. Yeah, which is great, which is what I love. Um, a lot of Canadians. I've actually met probably more Canadians today than... Are you Canadian? I brought a Canadian. Oh, I yeah. love you. What part? Montreal. Oh, I've never been. Montreal. <laughs> I'm sure it's pretty. Um, but I met a lot of Canadians. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a VIP, so you're getting kind of an early, an early dose. Uh-huh. What the oh, day's nice. going to be like. Okay. Um, so congratulations on winning season 11 of RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> Thank you. That's accurate. Very accurate. Yep. As we all know, that's essentially what happened. Mm. You know, I mean, you can do the math. <laughs> you does can. It, does you it can. feel... Nothing doesn't add up. But <laughs> is it a, were you surprised to find that you were such a... The reason I say that is that, you know, we we got a lot of drag queens to keep track of now. And at this point, if you won, it matters. But really, there are very few people who are going to stand out and stand the test of time. And you're one of those few. Well, you know, um, so it's interesting being a fan of the show um, and having watched it and auditioned for a a decade of my life. um, It's it's true. I'm 20, though. So... Um, I knew it was important for me uh, to go into this experience leaving some kind of mark. My intention, of course, as you said, now that we're on the 11th season, you really want to get into the top four. Um, that's kind of how you are remembered, right? And then that's how you kind of leave that legacy. And so uh, I was so concerned and focused on that that when I didn't get there, um, I became immediately, like when I got home and went back to Columbus, Ohio, I became very concerned about what the legacy was because then you have no idea of how they're going to edit you not that there's any editing I'm definitely a person I don't, I don't believe in editing I think that you give them uh, what you give them and they take it and do what they will with it but you gave them the material so um, and I don't believe what people are trying there's a revisionist um, history that's happening this weekend where Queen that I was on the season with I've been getting dishy you're welcome Ooh, yes. thank you <laughs> but there's a revisionist history that's happening this weekend where girls are saying well that's not I, I'm glad you're meeting the real me and I'm like well uh. I, actually, I was I was there and that was real too um, so do you know what I mean so yeah. um, so, so you know I was unaware of some of the things that the, that the production picked up on I was unaware of the facial expressions. Like, I've always been... So I was unaware that you guys got to see me kind of telling a story without words yeah. and have a reaction to things. So that was a big part of my arc in the early part of the season. And Oh, yeah. Sorry. What is it? Is it a message? It's not. It's oh. not. Uh, <laughs> what? I'm curious. <laughs> um, and then I was... Um, and then we had the, my first win, right? So the arc starts to build for me, and I had my first win in the competition... Um, but then I was concerned because it didn't get talked. Oh, it didn't get talked about. I talk with my hands. I'm sorry. They're big man hands. Um, <laughs> Gorgeous, but, sparkling. Yeah, no, like, it's just like water. Um, <laughs> you look thirsty. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I, so I get this win on episode three. But then it's the six person lip sync, and so you. So
So there's no conversation at all about the job that I did yeah. in the competition, which when you go on the road becomes very important because the second you start touring, people start adjusting their conversation of how they talk to you with what they hear from the judges. So if the judges say to you, oh, um, Nina, your shoes are awful. Then you go to a bar in Reno, the, per the person's going to look at your shoes and go, oh, I see you got better shoes. <laughs> it's oh, like, God. Or, the, or what, my, what became a part of my dialogue was, oh, you're proportionizing. Uh -huh. Which I thought was kind of a cop-out because, because my body and my silhouette are very uh, indicative of a camp drag culture, which celebrates uh, the aesthetic, not necessarily the, the body. Um, it's, and it is about how you proportion your body, and I did it all the right ways. So to be told that what I was doing was wrong was kind of, I adjusted, because I think that's what you do in competition. Yeah. So I adjusted and I, I fixed it for the judges, but I also knew going home, it wasn't problematic for me. And it wasn't the issue that I had to fix going home. So, of course, I'm aware of all these things, but unaware, it's a long answer, <laughs> but unaware answer. of how I'm going to look. And so I am drastically surprised at the reaction from the fans because I'm older um, and I'm um, a little bit more, um, not self-editing, but I'm very aware of how I present myself and I'm very aware of what words I use. Um, and, knowing, and knowing how to be in control of your words I think is very important. I've been doing this for so long that I've made my mistakes off camera mm. years ago. Mm -hmm. And so for a lot of these contestants, they're making, they don't know because they're 22 years old, 25 years old, and they've not had the experience. So when they say something really problematic, which I'm sure I'm, I've done before, I'm not, I'm not innocent to that, but I got to do it off camera, and I got my life lesson off camera. And so that was a big point and a factor, I think, for my evolution on the show. Mm -hmm. And when you're in Columbus, have you, have, does anybody, is anybody here from Columbus or have you gone out in Columbus or, oh yeah. Right, so do you guys know the Axis? That, that's like the, and that's sort of your, your hometown home bar. bar. Yeah. And you are the one, it, historically, like, well, that's a stop on the road for all of the uh, queens uh, from the show. And yeah, you're the one who yeah. sort of hosts them. Yeah. And now you're one of them. Yeah. So how's that feel? Um, you know, it's it's really bizarre. Again, the whole experience is bizarre because you really, when you want something, you don't know what you want. And so I was, I was thought I had an idea of what this experience would be like, and was like, oh, I've got that. I can do this. This is going to be so easy. Like these challenges are right up my alley. It's totally within my wheelhouse. I'm an actor. Look at all these acting challenges. I can present my silhouette on the runway, thinking it was what was, would be like pleasing to the eye. I totally see where it wasn't, but. <laughs> um, um, to, but then you, there's a whole half of the experience that you really aren't really ready for or prepared for. And that is um, the thing that goes, oh, I, am I ready to be a Rue girl? And what does that entail and what does that encompass? And it's like um, you're on the road all the time. People are looking at you. Um, I could get away with a lot more in Columbus, Ohio, not because it's Columbus, but because the audience is so familiar with me and they know me so well that they're like, oh, maybe she just forgot to put on nails or she ran out of time or maybe she just her you know she just didn't have time or there's a little bit more like you know, some exception made for a girl who's you know really well in your hometown bar but when you get on drag race it's when i come to your city it's probably maybe the only interaction you're going to have with me for a very long time so it's really important to be on point and sometimes that's hard. And so, like, I think that's the biggest is, like, you guys expect perfection. I expect perfection of myself, and wanting to give that to you is a part of, 
I think, the struggle of this whole experience because you want to be at your best all the time. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. T- talk us through this look today. Um, it's really tight. I'm corseted, and my boobs yeah. are in my throat. Okay. <laughs> That's it. My tits are in my neck. Um. <laughs> um, no, this, um, you know, I love color, and I love celebrating uh, the vibrancy of the performance and the art, and that's kind of like what I wanted to give. And so this is a really colorful look, and uh, my nails are um, kind of celebrating kind of like my elimination episode, so they're, they're pride nails with the unifying color of lavender. And so that's, uh, so that's kind of the whole look today. That's um, beautiful. It's stunning. Oh. Sorry. Very sorry for the, the audio audience who doesn't get to see this in person. Yeah. Hi, here they are. <laughs> imagine, really, yeah, imagine man fingers with pointy nails. Uh, congratulations on Hux. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have Thanks. we seen Hux? Yes. By applause? Yes. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Hux? Yeah. Hux? Nina Hux. West. What's Hux? My, it's my it's my new um, my new comedy video uh-huh. all about Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Oh shit! Yeah, because wow, I think she should be celebrated and lifted up. <laughs> <laughs> What's your what is your connection with a Sarah Huckabee Sanders? What do you um, like myself? She has broad shoulders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, um, um, Sarah is I think uh, an interesting problematic. Um, uh, uh, figurehead for the White House and I think that what she represents is kind of what's the worst thing about what's happening in our country right now which is like lies and deceit and a lack of truth and I think she's definitely holding that standard and that flag very high Mm -hmm. and so I wanted to um, before maybe she quit or was fired or went to jail (laughs) I wanted to take the opportunity um, to do a, a, a spoof and a send up of what I think and I imagine her to be like um, in the White House, and I think she's—I think she's in more control than we think, and I think she's at least in giving the Americans information. And I wanted to really play with that. Yeah. So, yeah. she is a true stunt queen. Yeah, <laughs> so she is. She is. <laughs> do you see? I mean, is there? Do you see humanity in her? I want. I mean, that's <laughs> really funny you ask that. I was somehow got on a, someone's Instagram. I don't know how it happened. Um, and she was in maybe Nashville or in somewhere. And she and with some somebody. I think like a conservative radio host, but like drinking bourbon or something. And I was like, she looks like she's normal. Mm-hmm. It's probably the alcohol. <laughs> so I mean, no. I, I mean, do I think she has humanity? I don't want to give her humanity because I think that I think she's trying to take it away from so many people. And yeah. so I think it's important to not. You know, I think it's important to not celebrate her. I want to. I don't want to try to relate to her because I don't think there's anything to relate to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well said. Yeah. Um, before the iconic Queen Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who were the people that you watched or saw um, as a kid growing up, coming up, who inspired you and kind of shaped your persona? My aesthetic? Yeah. Um, this is going cra- to be crazy because um, probably, a lot, I said this on the other panel, Robin Williams was major, Mrs. Doubtfire major, uh, Steve Martin was major. Mm-hmm. It was kind of these, these funny male comedians that mm-hmm. um, I would watch with my sister on Saturday Night Live or I would watch uh, on, on, on films. Like we, we would watch, like we were a, a pop culture household in the 80s and we watched and consumed everything. Uh, so Three Amigos is one of my very favorite movies uh-huh. because it's brilliant and it's perfect and uh, Chevy Chase and Martin Short and Steve Martin together. And it's just, it, and so it sounds funny that that's my drag inspiration, but there's something that's so farcical and fabulous about these men who weren't afraid to 
be goofy and like the jerk Steve Martin and the jerk is pretty stupid but it's mm-hmm. pretty brilliant and it's amazing and then like like female I mean um it's my it's just not normal it's like Miss Miss Piggy and it's like the Muppets I mean do you know what I mean yeah. it's like Miss Piggy and Miss Yvonne from Pee Wee's Playhouse because that was you know what I mean like yeah. it's the it's that Oh, it's the over-exaggeration of the feminine and, and what's great and what's terrible about it, which is something we're celebrating and worth looking at, which is what I love. And Disney characters, and like, it's not, I love the, 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 willing, the willingness to let go and to be happy is okay. And not everything has to be dire and sad, nor does it have to be, and, and it's okay if it is. Um, but I think there's a celebration there of something that's I really childlike and Something that I really connect to and really it res- really resonates with me. Were you a Muppet Show watcher? Oh my God, was I a Muppet uh, Show watcher? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Feeling. you couldn't. It was like um, the, there's an Anne Margaret episode that was really kind of pretty important to me. <laughs> um, a Raquel Welch episode that was pretty, sure. pretty, pretty um, fantastic. Um, but there was also an episode with um, I just it totally blanked. It was with Vincent Price um, and these like these playful. Um, this nature of he was so scary to me, but then I saw him on the Muppet Show, and it was so perfect. Yeah, um, and that was those were the, the big moments for me as a kid. You know, I just loved it. Yeah, the, the cultural education the Muppet Show would give a kid Today. in the seventies and eighties. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's insane because it was like the guests that they would have on would be like Juliet Prouse, and it's like this is for eight-year-olds. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. what? That's amazing. Who is that? Yeah. Who cares? She's fabulous. Yeah, yeah. she's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Full circle, you've like become someone who would be a great guest on the Muppet Show. Well, oh, thanks, thanks. Oh, well, that's amazing. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, but that's the thing. Like when I was a kid, it's really different now. So like when I was a kid, TV was always on in the house, and it was you only had so much access to um, what the popular culture was. So Sunday nights it was Murder She Wrote at my oh, grandparents, God, yes. right? So it's like you're probably wondering why I love Murder She Wrote so much. It's because every Sunday night we go over to my grandparents for to for to have burgers on Sunday night with my family, mm-hmm. and we'd stay and watch Murder She Wrote. Mm-hmm. So I was exposed to that constantly. So my love for Angela Lansbury is like second to none. Like mm-hmm. she's she's a goddess to me. Then that's the same with the Muppet Show. You just watch it. Like you, you. I mean, you know this. You consume. Everyone would consume a pretty much the same thing. Yeah. And so there was a there was a cultural language that we all spoke. Now there's so much media and there's so much to consume. It's like. Oh, I, I've heard about Shit's Creek. I mean, I've, actually, I've never watched it, so please don't jump, judge me. <laughs> I don't like Canadians. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. I love them. Um, I've, but, yeah, I've, I've heard about Shit's Creek, but I haven't watched it because I'm consuming other things. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, like it's hard to keep up. When you're doing the show... <laughs> <laughs> I punctuated it with a smile. <laughs> um, when you're doing Drag Race, what? how much... Are you getting your TV time in? I mean, how... how? Yeah. <laughs> you are. Yeah, okay, so I can't... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, there are no handlers in here, are there? <laughs> um, so... <laughs> so you're given... Um, I mean, you, the last thing you want to do when you go back to your room at the end of a filming day is watch TV. You want to go to bed. Yeah. And so that's pretty much what happens. But then your weekends, you're, you're sequestered, and all you do is watch TV. Or do something. I mean, you really you, you don't leave your room, so you watch TV. So, um, yeah, you're consuming really not quality television. Mm-hmm. But Just whatever's yeah. there. Baywatch. 
Oh, great. Um, I mean, those are fantastic moments. They are. Um, They are. um, They are. I mean, that's a classic. Or... um, uh, I watched Freeform a lot to get through. This is and this is the truth. So this, of course, it's very on brand for me. So I would watch Freeform every Saturday and Sunday. And as you got further along in the process of Drag Race, and as I go further, the programming begins to become it's the same every weekend. <laughs> so it was like the same five movies back to back, but I watched them every weekend, uh-huh. Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. For Baywatch, are you a Chokachi? Are you a Charvet? <laughs> I'm an Anderson. Thank you for asking. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm a Chokachi. That's a, yeah. Yeah, I haven't heard that name in forever. I know, right? Yeah, he look at you. Yeah, he did. What happened to him? No idea. No idea, but we care. We'll find out. Google yeah. it. Someone Google we'll it now. It. Yeah. We'll, we'll add it to the notes. Um, <laughs> so what? Like, what are you? What, what are you binging now? Are you binging anything? Um, well, I so yeah. So I started binging um, somewhere around January. I started watching all of the Marvel movies in order. Ooh. Oh wow! To get to. Um, Endgame. Mm-hmm. I've not watched it yet because <laughs> I've been so busy doing nothing. Uh-huh. Oh, that's kidding. That's true. Uh, no, so I watched them in order. So I, I, it was important for me to watch them chronologically, not in order of release. Does that, that's the kind of nerd that I am. I was like, what happens here? Okay. Yeah, so it's like, but so there's all these different threads about what you watch in order, but I think it's like Captain Marvel's first. Yeah. No, Captain America, then Captain Marvel, then... Oh, yeah, this has been a while since I watched them. This is the kind of nerd I am. Yay, pop culture. Um, but yeah, so I was binging on those. Um, what else do I have? I've, and I legitimately have been watching Murder, She Wrote episodes to fill in the time because I can fall asleep to them and I know the story like the back of my hand. So it's comfortable. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I would be into a Murder, She Wrote reboot starring Nina West. Would you really? That's. I'm just going to put that out into the universe. Right? You'd have to come on and be like the guy who... Looks like the murderer, but you just happen to be delivering a sandwich at the wrong time. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know what you mean. It was just dropping off a pit and on jelly sandwich. <laughs> Is that your impression of me? I mean, I'm no, I think it. that's the impression of the character. But I'm not trying to give you notes. You just do it that's the way you want to do it. Uh, <laughs> an idea. Great. Okay. Uh, does Lindsey Graham's unbelievable, uncanny resemblance to Angela Lansbury bother you at all? Does it, does it affect your enjoyment of murder? About as much. About as much. Much as Paul McCartney's resemblance to Maggie Smith also kind of bothers Holy me. Shit. <laughs> crazy. Wow, I'll never yeah, look it's, it's true. It's, 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 no, it's, it's true. Yeah. It's actually very true. It's <laughs> it's really yeah. Who are you looking at, Paul McCartney or Maggie Smith? I can't tell you. You have to pick. It's the same with Lindsey Graham. Thank you for that. That's visual. Uh, should we take a little break? <laughs> yes. Let's take a little break. We'll be right back. Hey, we're back. <laughs> Nina West. Welcome back. <sighs> that was we a are good break. still here with Nina West. <laughs> Sorry. She's having a she's having a little water. She's lubricating her instrument. <laughs> if you only knew. <laughs> <laughs> You, uh, by uh, let's just get into it. What's your current uh, relationship status? Oh, very single. Very single. <laughs> yeah. For how long? 
Um, maybe mm, five months, four months, four or five months. Yeah. Timing. Guys, put the math together. What happened? What happened to us? <laughs> what happened? Yeah. Talk us through it. Oh, well, um, we were, oh, do, okay, let's yes. see. We were going through um, growing pangs, and it was trying to figure out what life was going to be like. I think I was so focused on what life was going to be like in a post-drag race world for our relationship, which put a lot of pressure on our relationship. Um, and because I was so concerned about it being um, healthy and us being accessible to one another. And so feasibly, it made sense, right? Because he's a flight attendant, and that made a lot of sense. So he could fly to wherever I was, and we could be together. But then um, my my own insistence on wanting it to really work and try to cram a lot in before announcement, um, like just quality moments and quality time, really impacted the relationship. And so... Oh, I just burped. Hmm. It was an emotional remember, burp. Remember that, baby? Um, <laughs> <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it impacted, it impacted on how we dealt with one another in the relationship. And it caused a lot of friction. And in turn, um, I just developed, I mean, f- in full, like, Transparency. I developed trust issues, and whether and whether or not he was not to be trusted, I couldn't trust, mm-hmm. and I had a hard time letting that go. So I had to, um, and that's hard when you're on the road and someone else is always also on the road for their job. It's really hard, and there has to be a level of trust that's built, and we just didn't build that foundation. Um, but he's a really great guy, and I'm still desperately in love with him. It's just not right for us. How so long were you together before this happened? Oh, like six months. <laughs> that's long enough. It's nothing. But it's nothing. It really is nothing. Does that mean you stayed together while you were away doing the show? Um, we, yeah, it was very, very, very near. So that's the other thing. We got into a relationship right when I got home because I was so desperate for something that wasn't Drag Race. Got it. So you're home. Does that make sense? I had gotten home. And but the early, announcement had happened. It hadn't happened. So I was so desperate for someone who who knew nothing about it, who didn't have like well, everyone knew. I mean, it's like I don't know how to say that. Like it's the worst kept secret. Mm-hmm. But you, I never said anything. Like I was like one of the I was one of few girls that ever uttered that I was on the show because I was I wanted to protect it. I was I'd waited for a decade for this moment, and I just didn't want anyone to know. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to sh- like savor savor and share when it was time and have it be that big special moment. But everyone knew. And so I didn't, so I, to, to my knowledge, in the beginning, he really didn't know, but then I found out he knew. But we didn't really talk about it. And he would ask me for information as we got a little bit more further into the relationship. And he knew that I was on the show. He would ask for information. And I kind of felt like it was prying and all kind of for the wrong reasons. I think, no, no, it happened. And then he wondered if I was top four. And I told him I was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because, again, you are. Because was- I... <laughs> Yeah, I said, you know, I went to, I was performing at a bar um, on Los Angeles on Friday night. And I said on the microphone, I said, you know, one person will walk away with $100,000 and one person will walk away the winner. Hi, my name is Nina West. Have a great night. So, but, um, so he and I just, I just developed trust issues. And that was kind of mm-hmm. caused a lot of the friction and uh, some of the problems. How do you usually meet guys? Um, 
Well, it's awkward. I think when you're in drag, it's really awkward. And it's, it's difficult because you don't know, especially on this level, who's there for, who's there to meet you to be, like, who's there, who's there for it and who's there for the ride. Um, because it's in a, it's a, from the outside, it's a really exciting ride. And, like, you're meeting all these cool people. You're having these, like, one-of-a-kind experiences and these opportunities, which is incredible. And I'm, that's what I've wanted and worked for. But then on the other side of it, they, you don't see the hours of and hours of lack of sleep and the days that you go without talking to people because you're trying to get from city to city and how difficult that is. So you don't know. So usually I meet people like probably on a social networking application, mm-hmm. <laughs> LinkedIn. Um, yeah, um, but yeah. <laughs> OnlyFans. Um, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Um, just kidding. <laughs> it's not active yet. Um, <laughs> no, but like you know, usually I'll be on like Scruff or Grinder, but like those days are probably coming to an end because um, it's not. It's just proven time and time again. It's really not a healthy way for me to interact with men who want to be um, either serious or not serious, whether you want to have fun or not, who who just don't want to engage on a level that's still between the two of you, right? Or, you know, or having some kind, some level of. Right. It's like, are you here for Nina or are you here for Andrew? Right. Yeah. Because you got to be here for both. That's right. Yep. <laughs> Can we just oh, take a, t- uh-huh. a tiny detour? Kidding. <laughs> so you you um after your tenth audition, yeah, right? yeah, tenth, yeah, ten. You you made the show. Was the feeling? Were you elated or were you just like, all right, already, let's do this? Oh no, no, no! I was so excited. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't handle it. Like I, it was. Because I never thought it would happen. I yeah. didn't think they wanted me. I thought it was just, I thought the, the, the ship had sailed. Uh, I thought I was even past the Charlie Hyde's point. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? That's not a read. It's, I mean, it is a read. It's a read. Yeah. It is a read. Um, Loving read. Yeah. It, I love Charlie, and I think Charlie's amazing. But, um, you know, like, I didn't want to be, and I think this is why I'm also surprised by the reaction from the fans, is I didn't want to be the contestant that you felt bad for because she was the old queen who got on the show. I was like, oh. I mean, I remember reading one of the tweets that was uh, tweeted to me um, after the first episode that said, oh, um, you, uh, you can. Uh, she, Nina should have worn that dress, that Sia dress, because um, we can see it clearly took her this long to get here and her fashion's not up to the standard. Something like that. And I was like, hmm. great, okay, yeah. cool. Right, like, or yeah, whatever you did ten years ago was is still not good enough. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I was elated, thrilled. Yeah, all right, amazed, amazed. Uh, at what point did you start dating? <laughs> um, I think I started dating. Um, I didn't date in high school, and I tried to date in college. And college, I went to a really small liberal arts school Which in uh, Denison University ah. in Granville, Ohio. So it's a really tiny little 2,000 student uh, university in a 4,000 person town. I mean, okay. small. Um, so dating and being out and gay was just really just didn't happen. Um, but I was one of few out uh, gay men on campus, and. Um, I had befriended um, uh, a guy who was um, a, a year ahead of me, and he and I tried to date, and uh, it just didn't work. And you know, so it was like dating just didn't exist after that. 
And then I didn't really have a successful relationship, I think, until long, into like I think I was 30, 31, when I had a, my first successful relationship that wasn't um, where people were, wasn't, and it didn't involve infidelity or it didn't involve um, uh, uh, like uh, whatever, right? It just, it was my first successful relationship. Mm-hmm. It was like later in like my life. Of the youth, thirty. <laughs> Very recently, got it. Yeah, I mean, I'm forty, so ten years ago. <laughs> so yeah. Um, and how was coming out for you? Oh, uh, my coming out story sucks. <laughs> I mean, who's, I mean, how many? Who's how many? I mean, like really, when you think, I mean, I think it's really rare to find a good coming out story. Yeah. Like, oh God, yay! We were thrilled. I, I kind of prefer the bad ones. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, have you, I mean, do you, have you heard of a good story? I mean, mine sucks. Mine's They're pretty rare. terrible. Yeah. Hit, so. hit us with it. So I was in college. I had, um, I was, knew I was gay when I was in high school. I went to a Catholic high school. And, um... I went to college and I knew at August orientation I was just going to be myself. I was just going to be out. Everyone was going to know me as being gay Andrew rather than being Andrew, who may or may not be gay. (laughs) We're not sure. Or Andrew, we all know he's gay. He just hasn't told us. So so I remember just deciding to be out. And then, um, you know, I had some uh, really bad incidences that happened on my college campus, um, which I talked about on the show. And... um, my sophomore year of college, I decided to run for um, student body vice president. I was openly gay. And um, there was an underground hate group on our college campus called the Wingless Angels. And they decided to take it upon themselves to harass me and bully me and threaten my life. And it progressively got worse and worse as the kind of this campaign process went on during my college, my sophomore college year. And they, um, you know, from, it started with notes being slid under my door or leaving. This is the age of like answering machines. Mm-hmm. It was a box that you would connect to your phone <laughs> and they would call. And you'd have a, that. So um, <laughs> you can see it in a movie like Scream and I bring that up because um, so like they, they had somehow uh, adapted to um, sliding notes under my door, carving faggot in my door. Um, they had gotten those voice decoder Things that you put onto it, like at the end of a phone, so it sounded like like, like that character from Scream, and they were leaving these harassing, uh, horrific messages about how they're going to break in, how they're going to kill me, that my days were numbered, that I needed to not run for office, um, and it got so bad and really, really scary that I had to move out of my college dorm. They put me in an all-girls dorm, um, and I lived with my friend Heather for a period of I think about. Uh, I don't know if it was, it was almost a month. It was like three weeks and it just got really, really bad. And they had to, um, the campus governance association and somehow the university, I was young and I was stupid and I would have done things so differently had I had the knowledge and I had, had I had support behind me to tell me how to do things, but I didn't, and I didn't have access to those resources. So the university had guided me to say, let's handle this on campus. Let's, like, let's do this. Basically, what they were saying is, we're going to handle this internally. No one's going to know about it publicly. And um, we'll, we'll solve this problem. So it's basically what happened. And then we get to kind of the day that the student who's found out for taking the blame or being guilty of doing these actions is, uh, is caught. And he has to go through a campus governance process of... Um, being initially expelled. And so the day that this is supposed to happen, the night before, I call my mom and dad, and I said, hey. And this has been going on for some time. And so my parents don't know about anything that's happening or the fact that I haven't come out to them. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, and this is my sophomore year. So I've been out openly for a year and a half. And so uh, I call my mom and dad the night before this whole thing. So I'm emotionally a mess. And I just tell them, hey, <laughs> something's happening on campus. I need to you know, I need to let you know that I'm gay. And of course, like, sobbing and crying. Mm. And um, my, mom, my mom responds pretty brilliantly in that moment and says, it doesn't matter. It will be there tomorrow. And they should, my parents showed up the next day at the campus governance thing. And um, the student was expelled. But that was, in that moment, that's how he came out to my parents. And that wasn't, I didn't have the opportunity to tell them. Now, I don't know what I was waiting for. Like, I don't know what, I don't know, like, I don't know what I was waiting for. But I was waiting for some reason. And so that's how I came out to them. It wasn't this pretty wrapped up in a tight bow story that I wanted to give them. And so it caused a lot of issues down the road because uh, in that moment that we were dealing with, is Andrew going to drop out of school? Is he going to stay? What does this look like? Also, our son is gay. This other student has been expelled. But like, what's happening with Andrew immediately? And then, which, and I come from a very waspy family, white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant. (laughs) So I come from a really waspy family, and we talk about really nothing. Uh, So, like, how are you? Good. How are you? Great. Okay, good. You want to go get dinner? Sure. Um, um, so we, it, it just changed drastically over the years. But um, we, so this just because of the way this was handled and this whole process, we had to push kind of that coming out conversation back further and further. And we all buried it a little bit more. Even we, we all knew the truth, but I really never got to have that emotional experience of talking it through with my mom and my dad. And, uh, so that happened. So that just kind of developed over the years and it you know in the first made serious boyfriend it was just an issue like we just reverted back to old thinking and oh you're just coming out and this is your first boyfriend and you're not invited home for the holidays and like you know what i mean it was just we had to constantly shift and adjust because we i did it wrong i didn't do it i didn't do it wrong no. it's just my story and what happened really caused a kind of a ripple on the waterfall of other wrong things to happen, like bad miscommunication and terrible interactions. As well, a and it was taken from you. Before yeah, you yeah. You don't. I mean, and then that's the thing. I think that's a really common thing with our community. And I don't know. I mean, I'm sitting in my booth this weekend, and I'm meeting people, and people are coming up to me, telling me that this is their story too. And then it's like, I just don't know, like, where the disconnect is for queer people and and people who are threatened by our existence and have and trying to scare us and take that away from us and and how that shifts our lives so drastically. And I don't know if people really take that serious like don't I don't think our heterosexual counterparts understand that and take that seriously enough to understand the impact psychologically and emotionally it has on us for years after. You know, I think that's and that's and still it's still greatly impact impactful to me. I had no intention when I went on drag race to tell that story. My intention was to go on Drag Race, be the funny bitch, do the thing. You know what I mean? Like, be, you you get, get to Snatch Game, make it to Snatch Game, do funny stories, um, and not connect emotionally on that level. And so when that happened, I remember sitting in my interview room, and I was talking to the producer who did my interviews, and I was like, I, I, don't, I don't know what this looks like. She's like, it doesn't matter. It's happened now. 
however people take this is that's however they take it. And I'm grateful that I told the story because I think that's part of my journey on Drag Race, and I think it's part of how people connect to me. Yeah. Um, but it definitely was not intended. So then when people come to the booth and they t- they're talking about their experiences, and I'm like, after the last three days, I'm like, well, our booth is where you cry. <laughs> like, you come to my booth and we cry together. I mean, that's kind of what's happening. <laughs> it's kind of what's, ha- it's what's happening. I mean, like, and it's, I didn't realize my role until the, until the role found me. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if you know what ever happened to that student who got expelled. Um, I don't know what happened to that student who got expelled. He was an international student, so um, I never believed that he did it. I mm-hmm. knew this student was, I knew the student through um, doing theater and through doing um, some vocal uh, choir performances on the college campus. I thought we were friends. I don't believe he was capable of doing it. I think it was part of a fraternity rushing process, and I think that, that he took the fall. Oh, you That's my belief. What I believe is I think he was part of a rushing process for uh, Greek life, and I think that he took the fall for other individuals who probably were higher up within the fraternal system. Mm-hmm. And as a result, he got the boot and he was expelled and whoever did it, that's, they are now Republican believe. congressmen. The yeah. people who actually did it probably. They're sitting in the white house. Um, no, I'm not that old. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, we should let the people ask some questions. Sure. If anybody has sure. any. Sure. Sure. Yes, yeah, please. Yeah. Grab that mic. To mic. Run to it. Run. Oh, yeah. Is this thing on? Yeah. Okay. It feels uh, like it. It was nice to meet you, Nina, at your booth. I, I, was, I was your first. Um, and you won't be my last. <laughs> and you didn't make me, uh, you didn't make me cry, but uh, it's, it's you make me laugh, and, and so I appreciate that. Um, I model my drag after queens like you, and... Um, Joanne Worley and I were both born on September 6th, so there's another connection. Oh, my God. Oh. Oh. What's your drag name? <laughs> I'm wasting air time. You can edit this out. But, no. Um, no, uh, I am I'm coming to drag at, later in life. Yeah. I'm, I feel like I'm part of this underrepresented gay male uh, 50-something group that's here because... Um, <laughs> Drag is changing. The the fan base for drag is changing. Uh, yeah. Gay, gay men, gay men uh, developed drag. Um, it now seems to be shifting to a larger audience. Is is it something? It's it's. This sounds like a strange question. Um, we we were put down for being gay men. We were marginalized. Uh, we took on um, attributes of uh, femininity and the female community and it just it, my question is is it something where we're taking something from someone else because something was taken from us or am I overthinking it and I don't you know um to me um I don't I don't know I mean I'm, I'm I like to think that I'm pretty well read and I like to think that I uh know enough about knowing <laughs> but I don't know necessarily like the true history fully of drag. What I do believe to be the case is that I believe our subculture and our community was so disenfranchised that they wanted to celebrate and lift up their own community celebrity in some way or another and have their own thing to celebrate and, and have their own real in their, in their mind, in their eyes, in our eyes. I'm young enough to, I mean, I, I, I know how I grew up. I'm old enough to know that 
queens are and were those those pillars of you know not only would they stand on stage and they uh, raise money for AIDS organizations but then they would uh, they'd also go out and um, and do condom raids and uh, they'd also stand on you know do a pride celebration and really get everyone in the mood and celebrate but they'd also be the person probably selling you cocaine <laughs> you know what I mean like I mean like like uh, because there were because queens were so looked down upon and not given enough opportunity to actually find success in any other area of their life in drag right so they're making they're doing anything to make ends meet and make money so uh, you know um, drag to me is a, is a celebratory art form that sh that is um, about raising people up and I think we've we're not mindful enough to open it up for everyone to take part in it, um, then I think we're again fooling ourselves that the art form was ever ours to begin with. So um, I don't, I mean, I, I, there's so much in your question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, but I didn't I, mean it to be too heavy because I know that you're, you're about laughter and joy. So. Oh no, but like, I, but like I, in laughter and joy, I think like, obviously you have to have a connection to understanding the serious and you have to know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I think most laughter comes from painful experience right so um i just right you know like i just want to what yes <laughs> but like you know or having right like most comedians have dark pasts or but i don't think i have a dark past i'm just i don't even actually i don't even think i'm funny um so i'm just kidding um, but you know what i mean like i don't think i think there's so many avenues to what you're asking i think drag like, i think drag should be for kings and i think it should be for for uh, heterosexual cisgendered straight white women if they want to do it i don't but they're but you have to understand they're going to come at it from a very different perspective and a show like rupaul's drag race is allowing this whole young fandom to have access to drag knowingly it is only one type of representation and I don't know if these young fans understand that that's why I'm thrilled that I got the chance to be on the show oh, you know what I mean like and show them and I think they need to they need to be I hopefully the producers will see that there's a really there's a value to having an older queen on there hopefully the next person is a person of color who's going to bring a completely different perspective than I have you know, and I think that they're rep and be representative of a different experience. Great, thank you. And um, before I go, how can we support your foundation? Oh, you can go onto the Columbus Foundation website, and it's the Nina. The, 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 I got nervous about answering that. <laughs> the Nina West Foundation on the Columbus Foundation website. Thank you for asking. Tell us when we are when we have to wrap up. Yeah. Somebody. Sorry, I'm so long-winded. I apologize. No, 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 we just don't. I know you're in demand, so we want to keep you as long as we can. Hi, I'm Anthony. I'll Santos. stay as long as you want me. <laughs> I'm from LA. Uh, I wanted to first thank you for your magic show. I plan to revisit that that snippet for the rest of my life. It was a really great thing to watch. Thanks. <laughs> and um, <laughs> thank you. I, I know you do a lot of philanthropic work, so I wanted to know if you have any upcoming things that that we can support. Any of your um, fundraising or such. Oh yeah. Well, you know, um, so that uh, there's a sh uh, God. Sorry. Um, um, I try to do. This is really different. So, like, I started doing uh, charity and um, my philanthropy. I'll start at the end of my shows in Columbus, Ohio. So right now, we're trying to figure out how that looks now and what the how this how we're shifting this now. I know, like, right here now at DragCon, we're auctioning off. We're doing a raffle at my booth for uh, all the money will go to the New West Foundation. The foundation supports LGBTQIA youth organizations. Uh, senior citizen organizations, as well as uh, women's organizations, specifically Planned Parenthood, which allows access to not only women, but people of color and transgender people for access to health care. So, um, 
so that's so if you go buy a raffle ticket, you could win a and and one of like one of five in existence enamel pin sets that is put in a beautiful box. Everything I have is from Columbus, Ohio. It's all manufactured in Columbus, Ohio, from shirts to pins to everything I do comes from my hometown, which is also very important to me. Um, but there's that. Um, I, we're selling candles at the Candle Lab, which is a Columbus-based company, and all the proceeds go to the foundation. Um, we're, we're selling shirts through Homage, which is a Columbus-based company, and those proceeds go to the foundation as well. We're also, I'm going to say it now, and I'm not allowed to say it, but I'm going to, if there's, Jenny's ice cream is um, based in Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. It's also, um, there's an ice cream store here in, in Los Angeles, and they're located throughout the country. We're doing a Nina West flavor, which will be announced on June 1st. I'm a little I know, look, you guys got it before everyone else. Um, what is the flavor? What's in it? <laughs> it is, um, it's cream puff with a strawberry glaze. It's gorgeous and delicious. So it's like, so it's like a ribbon. The ribbon is supposed to represent a high heel, but it's the ice cream is like a vanilla cream puff base. It is so good. Wow. Um, and all proceeds. One hun- now, Jenny is the only one, and Jenny is a Columbus girl, Midwest girl, um, the only company that I'm working with that's doing 100% of the proceeds go to the Nina West Foundation. Thank you. Nice. That's scoop. You got scoop. scoop. I was not allowed to share, but I did. Fuck it. Hi, everyone. Hi, Nina. Hi. Hi. Uh, I would love to know, as a theater-trained person yourself, what your... If if theater is still a part of your kind of dream, and what are your dream roles? Oh my god, yeah. I mean, look, I'm the kind of person who's like, I hope to work long after I'm dead. <laughs> like, I, w- I want to work as long as I can and do. I want to do all these things. I want, of course, do theater. Um, it'd be a dream to be on Broadway. I think that's like any. When I was a kid, that was the dream. It's like instead of doing drag, I wanted to move to New York City. I wanted to be on Broadway, and I wanted to like live in my little shitty apartment with a dog and a boyfriend, you know, tiny little apartment, right? Because that's what you can afford still. Um, but that's your, the dream. What was your first big show that you loved when you were a kid? Um, my first big show that I really loved when I was a little kid is Little Shop of Horrors. Loved it. And then I, then I saw them, the movie with Rick Moranis uh-huh. and Ellen Green, and that was life-changing. Like, life-changing. Again, Steve, we're going to come back to Steve Martin. Steve Martin is the dentist. I mean, like, it's just a through line in my life. I love Steve Martin. Like, I, lo- I worship him. So, like, yeah, uh, I would love to do uh, Edna Turnblad from Hairspray the Musical. I would love to do um, King George and Hamilton. I think that's a really good role for me. It doesn't necessarily have to be drag. And I hope that people, like, my goal for this whole platform is I hope that people can see past this to allow me other opportunity to hopefully bring more attention to this and to the community. So, yeah. Thank you. Hi. Hi, Nina. Hello. I met you yesterday and then we cried together. It was beautiful. <laughs> I told you it's a theme. <laughs> so, um, I just, I love you so much and Activism and awareness has just always been super important to me. Like, I used to write papers in high school, like, angrily to my English teachers about, like, lack of sex ed, like, LGBT sex ed and history in the classroom and stuff. So I love that, like, you've meshed something that I love, too, so drag, and you've really brought a light to activism. And I know other queens have done that, but, like, I just love the way you've done it. So my question is, I know you've already kind of mentioned this, but how are you personally using your platform now, like, after drag race to bring even more awareness to that? Um, I think that it's important to talk about these issues delicately and not be flip and and be very, very 
uh, careful um, because we live in a really a dangerous time again. And it's like it's kind of like we, where rhetoric is just so terrible. And if we don't, if we aren't respectful enough to be aware of how our words impact not only the other side, but then the people who we're trying to fight along with, then we're we're being extremely problematic and. Um, I think that this platform is a great opportunity to talk about things that we're kind of ignoring as a community. And uh, I think what you mentioned is really strong and important. Um, but I think that you said specifically sex education, and um, I never got that as a student at a Catholic high school. And I then, then you take that and all those years of internalized shame and being told by popular culture and society that what you are is wrong. Um, and why then... I think there are so many issues that causes for specifically queer queer men um, and we how we handle and approach and address sexuality and our sexual identity. Um, so I think that's a really great thing that needs to be talked about, um, as, as well as like um, safe sex, our, our uh, protected sex, or sex education and knowledge, and um, especially when it comes to. Um, HIV and AIDS, and how we still show love and respect to a community that's still marginalized and pushed outside of our, of, of our own community because they're because they're seen as dirty or they're seen as not good enough. I just think we have such a we have so many things to fix on our own community to even look outside of it to say you're wrong is it's just so problematic, and we have a lot of work to do. Thank you. Thanks. Hi, Nina. Um, hello. Hello. Hi. Such a big fan of yours, and I totally love everything that you've stood for and Thanks. presented on the show. Thank you. Um, I'm also a theater person, and the question was already pretty much asked. Really. <laughs> oh, what the heck. Um, my slight oh. offshoot is, are there any current or even non-current shows that you really enjoy and want to tell us we should go see? And I think you pretty much answered this. Is there any live theater stuff coming up for you in the near future that we can maybe oh, look that's forward cool. to? Um, anything that might be happening in the near future, I can't talk about yet. Um, Drat. <laughs> I know. Um, but, you know, like I've been going back. I've been traveling to New York City a lot recently because of the show, having opportunity with the show. So every time I try to buffer in a day or two to go see shows. Um, so I saw the share show with Stephanie J block. And if you are a theater person and if, even if you're not go see the show because it's all of Bob Mackey's costumes <laughs> and it's share for God's sake. So, um, but Stephanie block is brilliant in the show and transcendent. And I think she's going to win the Tony award. That's my pick. Um, uh, I, I, what else have I seen recently? Um, what else? What else is open? I don't even know. But I saw this. I love the share show. That's what really sticks out. I, oh my god! I saw. I saw. Um, I saw Book of Mormon because I hadn't seen it for so. I had never seen it because I've been so busy trying to make ends meet, being a full time drag queen in Columbus, Ohio, that I never took a break. So I got a break and got to see Book of Mormon, and it was amazing. It's so funny, and it's, approach, and it's just so good. So, I mean, whatever. You've probably all seen it, because it's been on tour forever. <laughs> but but uh, Stephanie Block and Cher Show is pretty brilliant. We, we can go longer. Oh, that's right. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Hi. Um, thank you all so much for doing this. I'm a big fan of all of you. Um, I was just wondering, Nina, what goes into creating your looks and your process for um, putting together? 
Um, I like to uh, look at pop culture, and I like to kind of either re- replicate and celebrate, or turn it on its head and do it in a way that you wouldn't expect, right? So, um, and always keeping in mind who's consuming and who is um, kind of taking in my my art, and who it's for. So, so I realize right now it's a little problematic because I've released a children's album and I've released a comedy album, and they're both doing two different things. Um, and I think it's going to be easy for someone who doesn't like what I do initially to look at specifically the children's album and say it's not appropriate for me to do that, but it's just also a part of what I do and what I love to do. And I think the two can coexist. So um, I think people are going to tell me and probably tell a mass group of people that they cannot coexist and that you have to be one thing. I don't believe that. And so that's why I try to like do a variety of things that really feed the different parts of what I love to do. Thank you. Oh, I got. <laughs> Hi, Nina. Hello. Hi, I'm Anya. I've written it down. Um, so, though queer representation is important and wonderful, it too often and too easily crosses into the level of exploitation. I think we all know that. Um, speaking specifically about the Met Gala, do you think that theming such a high-profile event um, is in the name of camp is celebratory and helpful for queer culture, or is it just another example or avenue for cishet white folks to commodify? Say it louder <laughs> into the microphone, please. Can you hear? Do I need to repeat? No, I just want I want everyone to hear you. Okay, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Um, so yeah, is it just another example or avenue for? cishet white folks do commodify queer and black culture. I think it's uh, definitely, I agree with you completely. Um, uh, First, camp culture is not white male culture. Camp is queer black, uh, queer black experience. And it was completely taken um, and grown. I mean, we all like, right, we uh, as a community, as a whole, we all have experienced and, and, and taken different things and had our own experience with it. And we celebrate in different ways. But camp is specific. Specifically, like its etymology and its growth and its existence is only because of queer black artists. And I think that we're really lucky um, to live in a world where I can have that conversation with you. I wish that I wish that there was more of an approach to that at the Met Gala specifically. I don't know. I think Lena Waith did a really great job of celebrating and making a, a statement. Um, but I think it was a missed opportunity on a lot of people's parts to mm, be more mindful. I don't think it's that hard to ask somebody to like just do your research for, before you're gonna go do an event. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's you're paying your stylist and you're paying all these people thousands upon thousands of dollars to get you prepared, even if it's not your choice of what you're going to wear or whatever. Like in this example specifically, you're paying a lot of people to be there and to to support you. And it I would surprise me. It does surprise me. It's not surprising at all that these people aren't doing their research enough to be respectful and or educated enough for what, so when someone, I'm not going to say any names because I'm not, I, I can't speak to it, but someone Jared walks down, Leto, I'll say that. Just Jared Leto <laughs> walks down the red carpet and is making this statement and this scene that is not necessarily specifically correct. It's problematic. And I don't think, and I think, and again, when I say that, I think it's so easy for like uh, people who disagree with my, my kind of education or thinking, or maybe your thinking to say, oh, you're saying it's problematic, or you know, you're saying, but it is, and it's okay for me to say that to you, for you to stop and at least think about it. I'm not asking, I don't want to have an argument about it. I just want, I want you to stop and think about it. 
And I think that's where the conversation needs to go. You need to stop and process what you're doing and how it impacts others rather than think that your way is the right way and I'm to adjust to you and that my feelings don't matter or my, or my, my community's feelings don't matter. And then in turn, people that I love, whose community that I'm not a part of but I want to lift up and celebrate, how that impacts them and how I, can, how I have to protect and be a vanguard for them as well. Folks, we, we are out of time. Thank you all for coming here. Thank you, Nina West. Thank you, Nina. Thank you guys for coming.